They have struggled mightily through the year, hoping this is the game to turn around. And Rudolph with his first completion. It's Pickens in stride. There he goes. The explosion. Pickens. Goodbye. Touchdown. 86 yards. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Real Steel, where we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. No BS, just The Real Steel. I'm your host, Jeff, and joining me is my co-host, Polt. Merry Christmas, buddy. Happy early New Year. I think we watched the best Steelers game of the season and probably the best in a few years. What do you think? Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to everyone listening. Yeah, that was fun, and uh, it was a, a nice little Christmas. Did you just say was... the F word? I think I did, yeah. Wow. It, there was no stress involved. We were up early and often and, and never really gave up the lead. And it was actually fun to watch. First time we could probably say that in maybe two years. Yeah, I agree. 34-11 was the final score against the Bengals. I mean, always good when you can beat a division rival. Like we've talked about, um, you know, we're, we're never rooting against this team, even though there have been some things said of, hey, it might be in our best right. interest if we if we lose out or whatever. It, it's it's always fun to watch us win. This was really exciting. We we had a, a shutout lead of, of 24 to nothing at halftime. It felt like we weren't stressed at all during this game. It didn't feel like a chore. It didn't feel like torture yeah. like some of these games have in the past. So um, I was able to watch with some friends at a bar. Um, it was just a really, really good time. I, I, I really enjoyed watching this game game and and i don't know man we're gonna talk about it but mason rudolph what a game what a game for him and and we've mentioned this and and we we knew i don't know if we can say we knew this was coming but we were hopeful that this would come and and finally finally it looks like tomlin makes a good move to start mason rudolph and and announce that he's going to start next week against seattle so i'm just thrilled with everything that happened here yeah mason rudolph obviously was I don't know. He seemed to give a jolt to the entire team. Everyone seemed to be, you know, more interested in playing and, and seemed to also be having more fun on the field. I mean, it helps when you're when you're winning by a large margin. But yeah, I mean, Mason Rudolph played great and very happy to see him perform the way he did. I don't know if I necessarily expected him to do as well as he did, but um, yeah, he, he played he played awesome and, and did everything we needed to do to get a win. So uh, hats off to him, tip the cap to him. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll see what he can do this upcoming week. Yeah, this is really another game where we just saw a lot of balance from the offense. Um, 30 rushing attempts, 27 passing attempts. Um, Cincinnati's defense is not good at all, Um, but it it was just really good to see us actually take advantage of that. We've played a lot of teams this year where – you know, they don't, you've read their stats. They don't have strong defenses or they don't have a lot of, you know, positive skill sets. And for some right. reason, we we can't capitalize on those. We lost to two teams this year that had two wins at the time. Um, yeah. So it, it was great to see us actually be able to capitalize here. I mean, I think Mason had a hell of a game, but the run game got going pretty well. Um, Jalen was not as productive from a rushing standpoint, but Najee was kind of our, our bell cow back this game, 19 carries, 78 yards and a touchdown. Um, and Mason spread the ball around from a from a receiving perspective. Um, Pickens, Allen Robinson, Jalen Warren, all three of those had at least four receptions um, on four more targets. Um, Deontay Johnson had five targets, only two catches. And then even Darnell Washington, Boykin, and, and Calvin Austin had a target as well, at least one target. So um, I, I like how Mason spreads the ball around. It was really cool. I mean, Mitch yeah. did that in the game that he played. He wasn't successful in doing so, but... Um, it's it's great to see some of these other guys get involved. Um, but one thing that kind of 
stands out to me the most was um, Pat Fryermuth was was nearly absent from this game. You have any thoughts or or what might be going on there? Yeah, I, I mean, and he kind of talked about it after the game, and, and Pat seems to be the a, a very big professional, and he wasn't mad that he didn't get a target or anything like that, which is good because we've obviously talked about we have a lot of divas in that offensive side of the uh, offensive meeting room. And, and Pat just said that he tore the Bengals up the last time uh, for, you know, season high, and I think he had over 100 yards and, and stuff like that. So he said that they kind of doubled him and, and put a lot more uh, emphasis on stopping him over the middle of the field. And so – Mason just kind of took what the, the defense gave him, right? And they took away the middle of the field. So he just used, you know, the guys on the outside like George Pickens and, and a, a lot of Allen Robinson, which was cool to see too. And I mean, that that's what Mitch didn't do. And that's what Mason did well is he took what the defense gave him and, and kind of yeah. approached it that way. So props to Mason and uh, I guess, you know, props to a little bit of the, the offensive game plan there too. Yeah, I think watching Mason that entire game, um, I think someone I had watched with made a comment that, um, you know, Mason didn't hit every single throw he made, no. which is not expected. Um, no. But he made some some really good throws. And when when there was a miss or when he um, threw the ball away, like I often would say that was the right decision. Right. Um, and I wasn't going to applaud him for every single thing he did, but um, he did throw the ball away when, when there was nothing there instead of taking a sack. There were a couple times where he, he, I don't know if I'd say significantly, but he definitely overthrew our receivers a couple times, but they were in great instances. Like he, he saw that they were open. They had a step and he just overthrew them. I think there was a Deontay Johnson one and there yep. was a Calvin Austin one that stand yep. out to me. Um, but both of those guys had broken free and, and he actually made an attempt to go for it um, and take those shots. So I think the fact that he really, exactly what you said, he read what the defense was giving him and and he just read the field and, and went through all of his um, progressions really, really well. So um, shout out to Mason. Do you want to talk a little bit about how, how the game kind of started off? Maybe do like a little bit of a game run through. Yeah. I think it was just exciting to talk about. Um, I, I think the, the best thing that I saw from the start of this game, which I complained about last episode was um, we kicked off first. Uh, Finally. I, I don't actually know who won the coin toss, so I can't give us too much credit. Uh, we there. won the toss and deferred. Okay, great. I love that. I love that. So that's, I think that's a significant change. Um, I don't know why made. we don't do that every week. Like I, I don't get it, but I'm, yes, I'm glad. I'm glad we finally did. So I'm glad we did that. We hold we hold the Bengals to six plays, and then we get the ball right away. A six-yard run from Najee, a good hard run. Um, second and four on our own 14, um, we have the 86-yard touchdown pass um, to George Pickens. So, like, yeah, what an bam, electric bam, way play. to start the game. I yeah. mean, what an electric way. Two plays in were 86-yard touchdown. And to the guy that, you know, we had, had been the biggest complaint all week uh, leading up to this game was George Pickens and his antics. And he comes out and has an 86 yard touchdown catch on the second play of the game. I mean, it was pretty fitting. Cause again, most people didn't want him to play and I totally get that, but uh, he came out and made a huge, huge impact right away. Well, and you did talk about how he kind of had to play Correct. essentially based yeah. on kind of the, the roster roster limitations and, you know, needing a lot of guys for the defensive side of the ball. Um, but it was, it was, you know, as much as we're going to say he's he's a diva, um, you know, you're I'm never mad when players like this show up and, and play. And hopefully um, hopefully that changes some things. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. We know now we know what what he has in him. I mean, he did he did almost 200 yards off of four catches, like absolutely bonkers performance. Yeah. It's it's not like he had a 10, a 10 catch, 12 catch game. Um, no. He just really 
you know, made the most out of these these couple of passes. So I mean, and you got to give him credit on that touchdown pass. It it wasn't a long pass. It was maybe a twelve to fifteen yard pass on a slant route that he was able to. You know, the it was a poor angle by the the safety on Cincinnati, and he was able to break that. And you know, at that point, he's he's off to the races because we know how how fast he is and how athletic he is. So he got past the first couple of defenders, and that's all she wrote. Can I say for a second that I almost like if if I I squinted hard enough at the screen like it almost looked like Mason's number two was a number seven and and the Oh fourteen my god. on Pickens was a a, a vintage eighty four Antonio Brown jersey. I mean it looked like it looked like vintage Ben and AB out there, twenty sixteen era. I'm not going to go that far. Uh, I'm not going to go that far. We've hit this play earlier this year for the same long touchdown. So it didn't look any different than how it's looked all year. All right, all right. It was it was so cool. It was cool, though. It was great. It was a very hot start. And, and you know, and then the defense kind of stepped up on the next drive. We allowed the, the Bengals to come down to our 16-yard line and, you know, look like, all right, this might be a high-scoring shootout. And Patrick Peterson makes a play in the end zone. I mean, really, it was, I think, Alex Highsmith put a lot of pressure on Yeah. on Jake Browning, made him get out of the pocket. And, and Patrick Peterson first started safety as a Steeler, I think second in his career, comes up with a big interception to, you know, to hold them to no points. And it felt like that actually was a throwaway pass, or it looked I like think it it was was. going to be a throwaway pass, and and Pat Beat was was right there to make the play. But that was huge because Yeah. um, go down in the end zone, get the ball from your twenty, and what do we do? We put together a ten play, eighty yard drive for a touchdown. So um, up fourteen nothing. That was a um, what was it? A Najee run in for the touchdown there. Yeah, that was Um, the Calvin that Austin was the Calvin end around. Austin end Yep. around. Um, so fourteen nothing. Um, really early to start start the second quarter. We force a three and out from the Bengals, so they punt. Um, we punt, and then we get another interception. Um, this time it's Eric Rowe, our our other starting safety. Um, Yeah, that the we practice get just squad elevated. safety. Yeah. So so that was super cool to see. Points off a turnover there, four play touchdown. Um, that was the Najee Harris run. Right. Um, Boswell making all his extra points here in this game. Um And that was and that was a good return by Eric Rowe. I think it was a twenty five yard interception return. So that set us up on the fourteen yard line, which gave gave us an easy four play drive to score a touchdown. Yeah, and then I think the next drive, which was super, super critical to kind of the tone of the game was another really long sustained drive by the Bengals eight plays 70 yards they're in a fourth and one on our own five yard line they opt to go for it and we stop them um and so that was huge under uh not quite under two minutes but near the two minute warning um we stopped them on our own five yard line and then we're able to go down and put together a, a 12 play drive um to put more points on the board and cap things off with a field goal. So Yeah. this was, this was, in my opinion, like the most holistic game I've ever seen. The defense was playing well in the first half. Yeah. The offense was clicking. We were getting points off turnovers. We were getting points off like capitalizing on short fields. Um, just, just really exciting. This was what, this is what we want as, as Steeler fans. And um, I, I couldn't be happier with how, how everything panned out in the first half. Yeah, it kind of seemed like every single time that You know, we got momentum. Cincinnati came back and, and you know, took some of the momentum back and made a long drive. But then the defense just, you know, stood up at the, you know, the, the whole bend don't break that they bent a lot and let them get into the red zone multiple times. But I think all three occasions in the first half, the defense was either able to come up with a fourth down stop or an interception, which that's just being opportunistic. And we haven't really seen that out of the defense. We've been seeing a lot more breaking uh, in recent weeks, I would say. So it was good to see that that change happen. And it just kept all of the momentum. I mean, 24, nothing going into half. 
to get that field goal right before half, I think really was the, you know, breaking the backbone of the, of the Cincinnati Bengals. So that, that was huge. And the second half wasn't as exciting. Um, you know, they had the, their first drive of the second half, the 80 yard touchdown pass to, to T Higgins. We ended up answering with another long pass to George Pickens, but really other than that, it was, it was a punt fest in the second half because we didn't care. I mean, we were already up 31 to, to eight and then 31 to 11. Like, I mean, the game was fully in our hands. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was that, that first half was so exciting and, and kind of just set us up for the rest of the game. Yeah. I mean, it, we won the turnover battle significantly in this game three interceptions um, to no turnovers on our end, Um, 397 yards total that we put up, almost cracking that 400 mark. Um, And and the Bengals putting up 368, but only getting 11 points kind of shows what what I was talking about. There was a lot of bending, but we we tended not to break, which was really important. Yeah, um, and also what stands out to me, Again, another topic that we have mentioned the last couple games, um, we were 50% on third down. We were yeah. 7 of 14 on third down. Um, in the past few games, at least, we we have been probably under 25%. Um, if I had terrible. to go back and look. Yeah, so so really, you know, converting on, on third downs, um, almost averaging seven yards at play, um, not not much more I, I really think you could ask for. Only one sack this game. Again, we didn't turn the ball over. I mentioned earlier how we had yeah. a significant amount of balance. 30 rushes, um, 27 passes. It just, yeah, it, it felt good. It felt fun to watch. Yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's funny because we, we don't say that very often. And uh, to finally have the opportunity to say it feels feels really good. Do you want to bring up any highlights on on the defense in particular? Is there anything you kind of wanted to talk about? Because, you know, we we did kind of go into this game with it felt like an entirely new depth chart. Um, yeah. Some of these guys had not started a game. You mentioned Patrick Peterson, his first game um, as a safety, as a stealer. We know we had Eric Rowe playing. Miles Jack played a significant amount of time for us. Miles um, Killebrew was in there a good bit. Um, so lots of different guys that... Uh, haven't seen as much time this year that that played a role in our defense. Yeah, I mean, we were out our top four safeties, right? Trenton Thompson, Micah Fitzpatrick, Keanu Neal, DeMonte Casey. We thought we were getting our fifth guy back in Elijah Riley, but he only played three defensive snaps. So really, it was Eric Rowe who played 95% of the defensive snaps and Patrick Peterson who played 100. They were on the field the entire game and Eric Rowe has not played yet this year. So at least to my opinion, to my knowledge. So him stepping in and making a big difference. And then, like you said, Miles Jack stepping up and playing 47 snaps or 73%. Uh, Michael Walker got kind of taken off the field a little bit more, only 56% of the snaps, but I thought he played a pretty good game too. But our secondary is starting to, you know, shape together a little bit. Um, according to PFF, among you know, all the players with a minimum of 350 coverage snaps, Joey Porter Jr. is fourth in the lowest completion percentage allowed at 46.8, and Patrick Peterson's actually ninth at 52.5. Wow. So these two guys are actually... Patrick Peterson had a rough beginning of the year, um, but he's really started to settle in and, and, and settle down. He also, Patrick Peterson, that is, has played at eight different positions this year for us. That's insane. That We said Cam Sutton used to be like our Swiss Army knife, right? That's actually more than Cam Sutton, more positions than Cam played in last year in 2022. So Patrick Peterson's been everywhere, and he's been, to be honest with you, pretty successful in all the all the different roles we've asked him to play. So. I thought a great game by Pat Peterson and, and the defense actually looked pretty solid, which was cool. You know, Patrick Peterson's 33 years old. 
And we, we kind of went back and forth about whenever we brought him on in the off season, I think there was a lot of excitement with the name. There Yeah. was also a lot of hesitation with, with his age and, and the productivity, um, that he was actually going to bring to the team. And, and I got to be honest with you, the first probably 10 weeks of the season, we talked about how he, he just wasn't playing well. Um, he, he, really hasn't found his rhythm or hadn't found his rhythm that that first half of the season and, and really has come into himself this second part and um i i do feel like he he's probably had a strong presence as a leader um Definitely. defensively um you know take that for what it's worth given some of the troubles and speaking out that certain players have had but um i'm i'm really happy that we've made this acquisition because he's he's a guy that hopefully is is impacting joey porter jr pretty positively too um One thing I do want to say against Joey Porter Jr., he's he's what? He's the second most penalized cornerback um, this year in terms of pass interference. He's really handsy. He's got to continue to work on that. This this we mentioned maybe four or five episodes ago. Um, I would like to see improvement there. But outside of that, I mean, Joey Porter is is locked down, man. He's he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, early in the year, he couldn't make a tackle to save his life. He now hasn't missed a tackle in the last six weeks and has cut his tackle, missed tackle rate in half for the season. I mean, he's making some big plays. There was that second and one tackle right before the uh, fourth down stop in the first half that he made a great tackle on, I think, Jake Irvin in the flat. I mean, the penalties are a problem, but I think they will get, I think those will go down as he continues to get more and more seasoned as a corner. But he's starting to do everything else. He's shutting down all these wide receivers, he's making open field tackles and I think at this point that that's all you could really ask for out of the guy. So I'm very happy with him. Here's one thing I didn't realize that I just noticed right now. Levi Wallace played a hundred percent of the snaps. Um, I was thinking that I didn't realize he was on the field for every snap. I was thinking when they sort of shifted him off the field and, and had Patrick Peterson and Porter and whoever else on the field, that's when Patrick Peterson started playing better. But I mean, Levi Wallace was on the field every single snap today, uh, this, this week and, you know, played fairly well. So He did let up that He big had touchdown. some, yeah, he had some, yeah, I mean, he still had some holes. He gave up a lot of completions, but it wasn't, maybe, maybe it was mass because of how big we were winning. Yeah. But I mean, it did seem like he played at least a little bit better than, than previously this season. No, that's true. I mean, he's he's the he's been the scapegoat for us this whole season on Yeah. our defense. I mean, and I think for the right reason. I think he he has been at fault in in a lot of um, you know, miscommunications or maybe just big plays by opposing offenses. I I'm pretty confident he did let up the that 80 yard He did. play to T Higgins, but um outside of that, yeah, you know, having veterans on the field um is is a good thing. So, um yeah. Uh, I'm I'm pleased with with how things ended up there. Did you see how they used Nick Herbig at one point? I didn't. At one point in time, and I just I saw this on Twitter that Inside or no? it was kind of inside. Yeah, they had three outside linebackers on the field. So I think they had Highsmith, Watt, and Herbig on the field with one down lineman. I don't know who it was. And they had high, uh, Herbig kind of playing in the middle, roaming around. It kind of looked like a Dick LeBeau type thing. It was one down lineman, and everybody else was standing up kind of, you know, faking blitzes and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of cool. That was a little wrinkle they hadn't done yet this year. Interesting. Yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up. I, I also think we should really quickly talk about special teams just while we're Uh, 
you know, holistically talking about this. Let's talk about the good. Let's talk about the bad. The good, Chris Boswell, um, shaking off that missed extra point, four for four on extra points, um, two for two on his field goals, hit a 50-yarder, um, really solid kicking. You, you know, it's great to see um, a lot of NFL kickers, I, I feel like if, if they have a mistake, you can tell that they get into their own heads. Um, Chris Boswell, I think, is really good at shaking that off and coming back and hitting the next one. So, yeah. Um, Perfect game from Chris Boswell. Um, not a perfect game from Presley Harvin. Um, five punts, average under 40 yards, only one punt inside the 20, a long punt of 42 yards. Um, this needs to be addressed next year. Needs to be addressed next year. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming a huge, huge problem. It's just, we're losing so much field position. I mean, I'm just looking at this one in the third quarter. We punted from our own 30, and he only punted at 38 yards. They got the ball at their 32. Flipping field position is such an important part of a of an NFL game. And especially for a team like us that doesn't score much, doesn't, you know, our offense isn't that great. We really need a good punter. And it sucks because if you look at Braden Mann, who we had in camp and then got rid of, and that was with Philly, he's punting really, really, really well. And we chose Presley Harvin over him. Um, I know Presley Harvin's been really good at, at holding on kicks, and I yes. know he had a big hold this week. Uh, I think it might have been on the one field goal, but at some point in time, the, the punting just is not acceptable. And under 40 yards average on five punts is just... And, and I know one of them was at like the 50s, so like we can give him a little, cut him a little bit of slack there, but he's not like pinning anybody inside the 10 or the 5, and it, it just he's not doing anything right. Yeah, I, I would think that you know, we, we can find someone who is a, another strong holder and a better yeah. punter. Um, maybe not as good as a holder, but, um, you know, close to, or the same. And, I mean, obviously and at the beginning punter. of the year, they didn't trust him either. That's why they brought in Braden man and kept him all the way through final cuts. So obviously they, they've noticed that it's a problem, but it, it needs to be addressed next year. I think that will be a big, big thing going into the off season. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, unfortunately, Presley Harvin is a guy that I just I really want to root for and want to do well. Um, but it just it just hasn't happened. So um, he's he's unfortunately going to get my jag off of the week. Um, I just think it was such a poor performance. Yes, he did have that one good hold. But, um, you know, he, he he just isn't isn't cutting it. I mean, thank God that this was not a game where we need to talk about the importance of field position. Yeah. Um, or maybe I should say, thank God this isn't a game that that really played a significant role because if it did, it, it could have been a much different story. And I think we have two really big games coming up um, with probably a little bit more high powered offenses where I would think that, um, you know, field position is going to play a, a much more significant position. I so. mean, that's the bad thing though. Like you said, this isn't a game that mattered, but it still was really bad. And, and that's just, that's not, that's not good for us moving forward. So, yeah, I think he totally deserves the jag off of the week. I was considering him for mine as well. Do you have a plan B? Do you have yeah, a backup? I have a plan B. My plan B is going to be the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals defense as a whole, considering we played them twice this year and we put up 421 yards and 397 yards. Wow. For an offense that obviously has struggled all year in the last couple years, both times we played them, we sort of shredded their defense, and that's that's not very good. That's that's not something you should hang your hat on as a, as a Bengals fan. So I'm going to give, I wish I had a better Jag off, but I mean, I think that's pretty appropriate here. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's, that's still worthwhile. Um, the, the only other person I think I, I would consider giving a Jag off to would be, I think for what the third or fourth week in a row, coach Tomlin, um, yeah. 
not that not that he deserves it necessarily for this week, but from you know in in a retrospective way, um, the fact that he stuck with Mitch for too long um, and didn't go to Mason. I mean, I I do not know what he sees in Mitch, um, what this team or this organization sees in Mitch. I think I've said before he's making like ten million dollars over two um, years. I think it's five million last year and five this year. So he's definitely done he's yeah. definitely off the team next year um but this is this will this will lead me perfectly into who i'm going to give my balls of steel to and i think it's very very predictable and i do think that there are a number of of other players that this can go to but i i just have to give it here to my guy mason rudolph 17 of 27 for 290 yards, so almost eclipsed three, eclipsed 300 yards, um, two touchdowns, only sacked once. Mason Rudolph just went out there, like you said, guided our sleigh through the night. It just looked like he he had poise, he had confidence, he was calm, he made the right decisions, he found who was open, and he really handled this whole thing like a professional. Yeah. Leading up to these to this week, the past few weeks, he handled everything professionally. We talked about that quote that he gave, um, his interview after the game, extremely, extremely professional. Um, Mason, I think is, um, a diamond in the rough. I don't necessarily think that he's, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not jumping ahead of myself and saying that he's a, a capable of starting in the NFL and, and being the next greatest thing since sliced bread, who knows, but maybe this does give him an opportunity to perhaps stay on as a backup next year for us or get assigned by someone else and get a starting job in the NFL next year as a trial. Um, so I'm just really happy for Mason Rudolph. We'll preview kind of the Seahawks game in a minute, but he is going to start for the Seahawks game. At least that's what, what was announced. So uh, Mason Rudolph, balls of steel, big balls of steel to Mason. I, I love the spark that he gave the offense. It was exciting. Yeah, it was always Rudolph on Christmas, wasn't it? Uh, to come and, and save the season after that really bad that really bad stretch of three losses. Uh, yeah, give him a lot of credit for stepping in there and, and playing as well as he did. That was that was huge. It's what the team needed. It's what the organization, it's what the city needed. So that was absolutely huge out of him. I'm going to give it to another guy we kind of m- mentioned earlier. Um, I'm going to give it to Miles Jack. Like nice. I said earlier, he, he had 73% of the snaps he played on defense. This was the first game he played all year. And him, he played 73, and Eric Rowe played 95. That's just a crazy amount of snaps that they're playing. Um, Miles Jack was funny. He, he said that, you know, before this, the Steelers called him, he was playing Call of Duty, playing five-on-five, <laughs> wreck basketball to stay in shape, watching games at the bar. And he said he just, like, didn't really know what to do with himself. And he said he had that groin injury that he had last year really limited him, and he thinks that's why he played so poorly last year. Um, but now he feels really healthy, and he came out and had six tackles, including one sack and two QB hits. I had a tackle for loss. I just yep. thought he was all over the field, played really well, and kind of looked like the guy we had we traded wanted. for last year and, yeah. and saw a little bit at the beginning of the year. So I was really happy to see that. And, and you know, Landon Roberts has been rolled out for the Seattle game already. So, I mean, look for Miles Jack to get the start, and I, I expect him to play really well. I love that. I think, I think it's very deserving, and I think perhaps maybe if I were to give um, – a little bit of an honorable mention too. Um, just a guy we talked about earlier, Patrick Peterson. This was a game where yeah. where he really, um, you know, came into his own and and played a huge role for us at a, a position where we didn't have a lot of depth. So um, 
I, I, I think Miles Jack is a great balls to steal. I think Patrick Peterson is a good honorable mention. And, and you know, minus all the diva issues, George Pickens had a hell of a game. So yeah, he did. Um, I'm not going to give him too much credit just because of his attitude. But, um, I mean, an incredible stat line here um, for George Pickens. Four catches, 195 yards, two touchdowns um, on six targets. So it's a really good game from him. Yeah, and both edge rushers deserve a little bit of love to TJ with a sack, Alex I. Smith with a sack and an interception. Yeah. That was sweet. And so TJ Watt, if, if you haven't been following, is up for Defensive Player of the Year once again. And it seems to be he's competing with Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett. Well, Miles Garrett doesn't have a sack in December. And Micah Parsons, I think, is only at 13 and a half sacks as well. I just wanted to throw this out there that TJ Watt leads the three of them in sacks, tackles, tackles for loss, forced fumbles, fumble recovery, QB hits, passes defended, interceptions, and touchdowns. Yeah. Basically, every defensive stat that you care about, T.J. Watt is leading, at least those three guys in. And he is third in odds to win the uh, the defensive MVP award, which I just think is ridiculous. And people just need to – I don't know what everybody has against T.J. Watt, but he he deserves a lot more credit than he gets. Yeah, so I've we, seen a... we love him as Steelers, as Steelers fans, but national and, and you know everybody else doesn't seem to, to really like him. I've seen a couple of things on Twitter that essentially show those three players stats without yeah. the names associated with them. And Hey, who, who, who should win or who would you vote for out of these three? And it's clear that it's TJ Watt. So um, we'll see yeah. what happens there, but yeah, leading the league in sacks right now with 17. Um, I don't think he'll get, you know, six sacks in, in no. two games, but he could get up to 20, which is a, uh, a stellar, I mean, 17 is, is significant anyways. Um, Alex Highsmith was seven sacks. I mean, that's, that's, that's a good season for Highsmith. Maybe he'll yeah. get up to 10. We'll, we'll see. That's a lot to ask for in two games, but, um, really solid, solid playing from him. And, and this is a guy who got his bag at the beginning of the year and, um, glad that he did because Alex Highsmith is man, our, our, our edge rushers are just outside linebackers. Edge rushers are just phenomenal. Yeah, they're they're playing great, and we we need every single one of them. So that's been good. All right, so let's talk for a second here before we preview the Seahawks game. Let's just talk big picture for a moment. The Pittsburgh Steelers are eight and seven right now. Two games remain. We have the Seattle Seahawks. We have the Baltimore Ravens. Currently, the way things sit right now is the Steelers are ninth in the AFC. Seven teams make playoffs. The first team gets a first round bye. Um, the next three um, are hosting home playoff games. Um, those are all the divisional winners. Yeah. And then we have three wild card teams. Um, so currently, the way things sit, Ravens are in first, also atop the AFC North. You have the Miami Dolphins, you have the Kansas City Chiefs, and you have the Jacksonville Jaguars. For the AFC South, West, and uh, sorry, for the East, South, and West, East, West, and South. Wow, that was challenging, respectively, for those. So those are your four divisional leaders: Ravens, Dolphins, Chiefs, Jags. <clears throat> the top three wild card spots right now are the Browns at ten and five, the Bills at nine and six, and then the Colts at eight and seven. So between there, we have the Texans also at eight and seven, and then us at eight and seven. Um. We're in a tough position because we lost these games, these head-to-head games against the Colts and the Texans, yeah. as well as the Jags, who are also 8-7. and seven. And they all share the same record as us. So if we all end up with the same record, then we're not in good shape. Right. 
the scenarios, at least from what I've seen for us to make playoffs, and you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but the easiest pathway for us to get in would be win out. So we beat Seattle and we beat Baltimore. And then either have the Jags lose a game, have the Colts lose to the Raiders, the Texans lose to the Titans, the Bills lose to the Dolphins. There's a few different things that could happen. I think if we end up with the same record as the Bills, we beat them head to head. Um but we can't end up with the same record as the Jags, the Colts, or the Texans. Yeah, we didn't play the Bills, but I don't. Somehow we would win that tiebreaker if if we are tied with them. It's yeah, probably just divisional, um, or not divisional conference. conference. Yeah, conference. I mean, it basically the Texans and the Colts play Week 18 against each other, so one of those teams is gonna is guaranteed a loss. But because, like you said, they both beat us, we if one of them would lose this upcoming week, Week 17, that would also help us out. I mean, and if the Brown, if the Browns lose two, the next two, and we win our next two, then we also get in over the Browns. So there's a few different options, but I mean, the biggest thing is we can get in with, you know, going one and one in the final two. But we really need to to win our last two. And here's kind of the percentages: if we win in Seattle this week, we have a 28 percent chance of of going to the playoffs. If we win in Seattle and Baltimore, we have a 91 percent chance. However, if we lose in Seattle. And win in Baltimore. <laughs> Sorry, man. I had a cough. I couldn't. I couldn't hold it back. It's okay. I I ain't laughing at you. I I had a cough. I drank some water. Wrong pipe. And uh, it happens. As as yeah, I just caught myself in a little break, but uh, couldn't but, hold it back. But yeah, I mean, if we win the last two, it's ninety one percent. If we lose in Seattle and win in Baltimore, it's sixteen percent. If we win in Seattle and lose in Baltimore, it's twelve percent. And if we lose both, we have a one percent chance. So. If we want to make the playoffs, we have to win these next two, which, I mean, we kind of knew that going in. So I think we just got to go out there and win some games, I guess. Yeah, and I'll be honest here. I I think it's, I mean, obviously, being the ninth team in the AFC right now, we we are on the outside looking in. But I I do think our our chances of getting in are, are minimal. Um, I think it's, I think just handling that first piece of winning out, is going to be really challenging. Yeah. Um, and we're going to preview again. I said a couple of times, we're going to preview this Seahawks game in just a minute, but I actually think what, whether or not it seems reasonable just from my gut of a steal as, as being a Steelers fan, I feel like we lose the Seattle game and we win the Baltimore game. Like, I feel like that would just be very Steelers to happen. Or you go into the last week of the season at eight and eight and, and Tom wants playing for that bull crap, you know, over 500 streak and the Ravens might rest their starters at that point. Who yeah, knows? I was just going to say week 18 might not be as, as tough as we think, because if the Ravens beat, they play Miami this week. If they beat Miami, they clinch the one seat already. So at that point in time, they wouldn't have to play their starters week 18 against us. So, I mean, that is definitely a huge aspect to all of this. Now, they would get the bye week, so I don't know if they would want to bench their guys for two weeks. I, I don't know what the Ravens would do. But they would if they win this week, which we should probably be rooting for them, if they beat the Dolphins, it, it could make our lives in Week 18 a little bit easier. A little bit. I mean, it's yeah. still the Ravens, and it's still a rivalry, and we still have lost to Ryan Mallett a few years ago. Like, I mean, it's still going to be a tough game, but if they're resting starters, that, that would certainly help us. I mean, they're at 11 wins, right? No, they're at 12 wins. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no catching them at all. Um, so, and and the other thing is too, if they beat the Dolphins this week, the Browns have no chance to catch them. And I I don't know about you, but I would prefer the Ravens win the division than the Browns. Same, 
Yeah, I can't stomach the Browns. I can't stomach the Browns. And and if the Ravens win, that means that the Browns will will have an away playoff game. So right. um and depending where they end up, I mean, um, we have to see what happens. They they a ten and five record, I mean, they're sitting pretty comfortably in that fifth spot, um, kind of handling their own or controlling their own destiny, as many say. They're playing Thursday night against the Jets, so so that should be um probably a win, but who knows what happens in the NFL. Um We'll see what goes on there. Let's talk real quick about kind of the Seahawks game. Just, well, just as I think that we sits. need to talk about to real, just, I mean, I think we, no, I think we need to talk. Well, okay. I mean, just to, to put a bow on that, this is our 20th straight season with eight or more wins. So it extends before the Tomlin era, but yeah, I mean, this is just the mediocrity of what we do as, as the Pittsburgh Steelers, but no, I think we really need to talk about the quarterback situation and just touch on that real quickly. Ah. Uh, so what Mike Tomlin said is right now, Mason Rudolph is the starter, kind of like what he said last week. It sounds like Mason Rudolph will start no matter what, but he did leave the door open that if Kenny's 100% healthy, it, it, he doesn't have that answer for us. He said, if we're going to speak in hypo- hypotheticals, I'm I'm not going to do that. So it sounds like Mason Rudolph is going to get the ball, but he did leave it open for Kenny Pickett. And I, I, I think I know your opinion on that, but but what's your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's the right thing to do. I think you start Mason Rudolph. I, I don't think there's any point in rushing Kenny back to health or, or rushing him back to the field, given kind of his his injury history. Um, I think what will probably happen is we see Mason play this game and then we might see Kenny come back for Baltimore. I think you're in an interesting predicament if Mason plays really well against the Seattle team, what you do week 18. I think that's where things are going to become really confusing if we go into seattle and we lose i think 95 percent, i would say that kenny's going to start against baltimore yeah if if mason comes out and plays a solid game and wins i i don't know what you would do week 18 um i think this is tom one probably just making a move to say hey if mason's playing like shit in the first half i'm putting kenny back in in the second half and i think knowing that kenny is his starting quarterback he he could do that and i think it's a little bit different than you know previous instances where we say oh why wouldn't you place replace mitch with mason i think it's i think it's easier to to replace a backup when the starter's healthy um yeah so i I mean i i feel like it's the right thing to do i think you shouldn't for two reasons i don't think you should rush kenny back for health reasons and i also think mason just went out there and bowled out like he didn't play a perfect game but he played a great game he did not play a bad game by any means, or he did not even play an average game. Like, I think he played a great game, um, and I think he deserves another start. So that's I think it's the right move. Do you feel the same way or no? I think it's a really, really tricky situation that I I think that they're saying a lot of things without saying things that, that need to be, you know, uh, understood. I, Tomlin's big mantra is you job due to an injury. The, all of the reports came out that, Seattle was the week Kenny would be available, whether he is or not. If he's not 100% healthy, this isn't even a question. Like Mason should obviously be playing. But if you want him to be your franchise quarterback and your starting quarterback moving forward, I think this is a really bad look to bench him when if he's 100% healthy. That's just how I feel. And so I'm okay with it. Mason played well, and right, we would have Kenny in, in relief. But I think what this is saying is you don't trust Kenny as your guy, and you need to go into next year with an open quarterback competition. And and I think that's what they're kind of getting at. Because if Kenny was your guy moving forward, he should be playing if he's 100% healthy. I don't care how Mason played. I know Mason played great. And I'm not trying to tear down Mason while pumping up. Like, this is, they all, he played great. But it's just one of those scenarios. If he's going to be your guy moving forward, 
he should be playing, regardless of what Mason did. But at what point do we know that Kenny is fully healthy? Well, that's, I mean, yeah, right. I'm not a doctor. I'm not in the, the, the training room. But if, if Kenny is healthy, he should be playing. Now, we, I don't know if we'll ever find that out because that might never be mentioned. But yeah. th- that's just, I think that's the, the sticky situation that it is. And I feel like they're, they're saying some things without actually coming out and saying them. Yeah, I, I, I agree and I disagree in, in, in everything that you said in, in a few different things, one way or the other. Um, if, if Kenny is 100%, yeah, it makes sense. He should be the guy if, if he's going to be who you're going to go to next year. But I just feel like, you know, there probably still could be some question out there of, of if he's not fully healthy or if he's 90%, you start the guy who's 100% and, yeah. and you know, I mean, get ready thing, for... My one thing about Kenny is that everybody is quick to forget that he played one game, one and a half games without without Mac Canada. Right. He played the same Cincinnati Bengals team and had very similar stats. Should sure. have had better stats than are very similar to Mason if, if Deontay Johnson catches that touchdown pass. Correct. And, and then he played a Cardinals team and was about to go up ten to set, ten to three to end the half before he got hurt at the one yard line. So you're right. It, it's just it's people are quick to forget that stuff that Kenny played really well without Mac Canada too. It's not just Mason doing it. He did almost just as well as Mason did against Cincinnati. I know that it's what have you done for me lately, but. That's just something that people need to keep in mind that Kenny was playing really, really well without Mac Canada. Totally right. I, I don't disagree. I think the the you know the the where I will disagree is that I think week eighteen is gonna be your bigger and I'm not saying that you well, didn't agree with that. But, but I think if, week eighteen is your bigger challenge than week seventeen. But if Mason goes out and wins in Seattle and plays well, you can't bench him for week eighteen. Why not? You just said that you should do that if Kenny's fully um healthy. Right. I yeah, I think you should, but I mean if he just won you two tough games, I, I don't know how you bench him. You you know what I mean? Like that's what if you go two games, it's way harder to do it than after one game. Yeah. It's kind of the way I'm looking at it. But I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll see. I'm I hope they whoever plays quarterback plays well and we and we win the game. But I think it's getting a little bit tricky right now. Yeah. All right. Well, let's bite off what we can chew first before we yeah. kind of dive yeah. in too much. Let's do a little preview of, of the Seattle game. Um this is a game being played on on New Year's Eve. 405 game in Seattle. Right now, the Seahawks are favored by three and a half points. Um, the over underline is is 40. Um, and so it's a, a little bit of a you know favoritism here towards Seattle. Also holds an eight and seven record. Um, ESPN's matchup predictor has about two thirds on Seattle and, and one third on the Steelers. Um, just from an injury perspective, you already mentioned a Landon Roberts ruled out, right? Yeah. Um, outside of that, Trenton Thompson and Minka from the safeties are are both questionable. Kenny. Najee and Isaac Sam all all listed as questionable too. Um, From Seattle's side, they have a couple big players as well that are listed as questionable. Jamal Adams and Devin Witherspoon is their rookie cornerback, kind of their their Joey Porter Jr., um, so to say. So both of those listed as questionable. Um, So there could be some impacts here from from injuries as well. But I I would anticipate that we're going to continue to see on the defensive side, guys like Eric Rowe, guys like Miles Jack, um, get in and play. And again, as we mentioned, Mason Rudolph... I, I think he's probably gonna gonna lead he, the helm here. Yeah, I think so too. Lead the helm. Yeah, I don't, what do you have number wise? Well, Seattle had been struggling. Uh, you know, they lost like four in a row, I believe, and then they came out and beat and beat the uh, the Eagles last Monday night. Well, I guess this last weekend did they? I think they won too. But um, it's going to be another probably low scoring game. They're nineteenth in points scored and twenty third in points allowed. Their, their rushing attack is 
has struggled a little bit, but we know they have Kenneth Walker, who's a good running back. They're 15th in, in passing yards per game and 29th in rushing yards per game, but their defense just doesn't have very solid numbers either. They're 19th against the pass and 27th against the run. So look for whoever's at quarterback. I do agree it probably will be Mason Rudolph. I, I'd give it like a 90% chance it's Mason Rudolph. I look for them to, I don't know, they have some opportunity to to put up some points and put up some yards and maybe go into Seattle and, and win this game. But, you know, going into the 12th man is, is never easy. So we'll see how they yeah. do and Seattle's fighting for a playoff spot themselves. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's it's um, worth mentioning that right now Seattle is in the seventh spot in the NFC. So they control their own destiny. They they want to win out. They they want to make playoffs here um, and and be able to go in and and win. Um, Seattle's been a really weird team this year. Like they have lost um games to some teams pretty bad. Um, they lost to the Bengals. Uh, sorry, not to the Bengals. They did lose to the Bengals, 17-13, but they lost to the Ravens, 37-3. to um, They lost to the 49ers pretty badly both times they played them. They lost to the Cowboys, um, but they beat some pretty good teams as well. They beat yeah. the Lions very early in the season. Um, they went ahead and they beat the Browns, um, and they just beat the Eagles. They also, not that the Titans are good, but two back-to-back -back wins. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, what version of the Seahawks we can get, but as you mentioned, you know, it, it's a West Coast game. It's a way. Um, um, going into the 12th man is, is not an easy place to play. I don't know what the weather looks like, but um, it's usually not nice whenever we go out and play um, in Seattle. It so. seems like it's a battle of two roller coaster teams, and we'll see which side shows up for each. Yeah. Do you have any numbers on them in terms of their defense? Yeah, they're, they're 19th in, in past defensive yards per game uh, and 27th in run defensive yards per game. So, And if Devin Witherspoon's out, look for us to be able to to kind of attack their corners a little bit. I, I know they played really well against the Eagles, but they, they have shown some signs of, of having some holes. So we'll see if Pickens and Deontay Johnson can have a game. Yeah. One other thing, just to close out here with, with Seattle, I, I will be interested to see how our defense handles. I, I think it's safe to say there are three star wide receivers, yeah. um, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, they're rookie out of Ohio state, Tyler Lockett, a really stellar veteran and DK Metcalf now in the league for a few years. Um, I would imagine that Joey Porter Jr. will probably be on DK Metcalf most of the game, um, but that leaves guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba and Tyler Lockett available for pickings. Um, yeah, not not George Pickens, but available to yeah, kind we'll of pick us off. Joey Porter played well against DeAndre Hopkins, who's a bigger receiver, but he has not played anybody that is the size and speed of DK Metcalf. So we'll see how he he stands up against that. Yeah. All right. Cool. You got a score prediction? What do you think? Yeah, I think we're going to do what we do and we're going to win the last two and then knock it in because somebody else doesn't lose something like that. So I think we win this game. I think we no way. I think it's like a 20 to 17 type game. That's the, been the score of the last two Seattle games, and they've been on the winning end, twenty really? to seventeen. All right, well, we're gonna yep. flip that. I I think I saw something that we don't win in Seattle. It's been like forever since we won there, but let's let's break that and and go into Seattle and win. Okay, I like it. We'll see what happens. Um, not sure if I feel as positive as you, <laughs> but hey, I I love what Mason Rudolph has done so far. So, um, we'll see if he can continue what's what's what he's been doing. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Happy New Year to you all. We will be back after the Seahawks game to preview um, our last game of the year of the regular season against the Baltimore Ravens. In the meantime, talk to you later. Thanks, everyone. Peace.